morning, church. All right. Can y'all hear me now? Um, before we get started, I just got a text message from, uh, from Ben. Um, those of you that don't know, um, J.B. Boone was in an accident this past weekend, and, um, and now he's, uh, he's fixing to go be, be taken back to uh, have a line put in to get some fluid off of his lung. He, they just texted me. It's fixing to happen right now. So if you will, um, close your eyes. Just pray with me. Extend your hand to heaven. Let's pray for God to move. God, we pray right now. Oh, Lord, over J.B., oh, God, we pray over these doctors and we pray over the nurses, God. And, Lord, we've been in continual prayer for this family because, oh, Lord, they're, they're of us, Lord, and we love you. God, we love them. And, God, we pray your hand of protection to be on J.B. God, we pray against the, the infection. We pray against, um, Lord, this, uh, these problems he's having. God, we pray that you would heal him and make his body whole. God, we pray you would give the doctors wisdom. Lord, we pray for gentle nurses. And, uh, God, we pray for his, his sweet parents, Lord. I pray, God, for comfort and peace. And, God, we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm thankful we have a God we can come to in crisis. Amen? And most importantly, that he hears us. Amen? In times like these, I'm thankful that I serve God. Because I don't know how people do it that don't. Um, so, those of you who don't know me, my name is Jeremy Lindsay. I'm the pastor here at Connection Millen. And... Uh, um, today we're going through a series that I'm excited we're going to start. It's called Broken. And um, it's, it's crazy how uh, you, God lays something on your heart, and then he begins to make it what he wants it. And, you know, as I begin to think about my life and, and the life of most Christians, you know, we start out when we start first starting to follow Christ, we make this commitment, we feel, and we start starting following him, but there's still a lot of baggage that we had from our past. Amen? A lot of stuff we have to deal through. And if we don't deal with the brokenness of our lives, what happens is, is we just start going through the motions and are not, we're not allowing God to heal us. So he didn't come to modify us. He came to make us new. Amen? He came to change us. He came to change that old perspective, that old mindset. He came to make it New And a lot of us, we go through life, and we're not walking in the newness of Christ. We're not, God, we're not allowing God to use us because we've not dealt with the stuff from the past or the hurt from yesterday. And what Satan wants you to do is focus more on the pain than the purpose. And so and there's so many people that will never, ever, ever be used by God to the potential in which God wants to use you until you get over you and put God in the middle of it. And that's in every circumstance. I know some situations are harder to get over than others. Some pain is deep. Some rejection is deep. I know that. But I serve a God that can reach down to the depths of any heart and fix any problem we have. Amen. So when I look back of how we as a church, how we are going to reach our community, we will never step out of that comfort zone and still and love other people until we can love ourselves. Amen. Until we can look over the grief, can we, can, until we can be healed of the pain, until we can be healed of the brokenness and realize that God broke us for a reason. There's things in our life that happen for a reason. It's only to make us who we are. And it's a hard thing when you're in the middle of, feel like you're walking through hell, it's hard to look to a purpose. It's, it's, it's a hard thing to grasp a hold of because the first thing Satan wants us to do is start blaming God for our problems, blaming God for the issue, blaming God for the, problem, for the, for the feelings. We start walking in emotion instead of walking in faith. And next thing you know, we've walked away from God and we're mad and bitter. And we do life. Broken, never being used to the full potential that God's called us to be used by. You know, and I, I remember as I, as I was preparing for this, God just brought Jeremiah 18. I didn't give Russ this. I'm just going to read it. But it's something I want you to realize is the moment you become a follower of Christ, God begins to reshape you. And for some, some of us, the reshaping process is kind of hard because we kind of don't want to be reshaped. Anybody, can I get a witness? Anybody with me? 
We kind of, oh, I'm good the way I am. I don't want you to, I don't want to change anything. I like my attitude, huh? And everybody else hates it. I, I, like, I like this. I like that. But yet God's saying, you might like that, but you're settling for good and not for God. And so many of us settle for so much less than our potential. And what God did, God, God was telling me in, in Jeremiah 18, he says this, says, this is the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah. Go down to the potter's house, and there he will give you a mess, my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the potter, he was shaping from clay. But a pot, I'm sorry, he was shaping from clay, was marred in his hands. So the pot formed, the potter formed it into another pot, reshaping it as he seemed best. So we have to have confidence that God's way is the best way. And the crazy thing is, is God's vision for your life is different than your vision. And so when he's reshaping us, when he's reforming us, when he's telling, no, I don't, I don't want it to look that way. I want it to look this way. I, I want that to happen so that you can be used in this way. We've got to embrace the process. We've got to walk with God through it. If you would have told me 10 years ago that I'd have been standing here preaching to you, I would have said you were crazy and that you might need to go to Milledgeville and get checked in. If you'd have told my wife the same thing, she would have laughed and said, Jeremy, what? She said that not too long ago, too. But anyway, the reality is, is sin breaks us. We're broken because of sin. And if we allow sin to remain, we will never, ever be used by God. But he takes that sin, he reforms us, and he reshapes us. And through Christ, we are made new. We've got to embrace the process. So in Genesis, as I begin to think about that, I went, God brought me to Genesis chapter 32, where we talked about, we're going to talk about a, a patriarch in the faith. His name is Jacob. You know, at a time, at this time in, in chapter 32, this is Jacob's story. He was a fugitive. He'd been on the run. He'd been in the school of hard knocks for 20-something years. It's okay to endure something for a week or two, right? But when your life has been about just after hell after hell, rejection after rejection, just problem after problem, sometimes you begin to lose faith, don't you? Maybe, 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 I'm, maybe I'm, I'm the one that might doubt a little bit. Come on. We're all about being real in here, and I'm the only one being real. Y'all with me? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I mean, so what happened was through all this stuff that happened in his life, Jacob, he believed in God, but he was out of fellowship with God. And so what I love about this story is that God loved him so much. He loved Jacob so much that he wasn't going to just leave him where he was. He began to just move in his life. See, Jacob, from, I want to bring you back to, to the beginning of Jacob's life. Jacob was, when him and his brother Esau, they were fighting in his mother's womb. And she was like, what's going on here? And the prophet said, there's two nations inside of you. Jacob was a fighter. He was, he was, he was all about fighting, even in the womb. When, when Esau was born, Jacob was like, uh-uh, you ain't leaving me. He had, he, he'd come out holding the heel of his brother. If you've ever been in the part of childbirth process, that sounds crazy to me. <laughs> but that was going on, and he came out. And his, and his mother, they named him. Jacob means hill grabber. When you think about the naming process, I thank God for my name. <laughs> because Esau came out first, and Esau means red, and the other one means hill grabber. So they named one big red and one hill grabber. It just is crazy to me. But anyway, they named him hill grabber. But see, in that time, a hill grabber was someone that was deceitful, that was a liar. So when even from his birth, he was associated with being deceitful. See, in those days, they named you according to your character as well. So every time you said your name, you said your character. I'm Jacob. I'm a liar. I'm a liar. I'm deceitful. See, a lot of us are hanging on to things that somebody else said about us. 
instead of what God said about us. A lot of us do life our whole entire life based on the opinions of other people. We're broken because of what other people said. We're broken what other people did. We're broken because of how other people reacted. Instead of walking in the fullness of God and allowing him to heal our brokenness. But see, there has to be a point until where you cross over that. Amen? There's a time in our life where we've got to say, you know what, enough's enough of what you think. Let's see what God says about me. And so Jacob got to that place. He was wounded. I mean, he was wounded by his parents. A lot of us are wounded by our parents. We're wounded. That's why I'm so scared about raising my son. I'm like, I'm going to jack him up. It's going to be bad. But some of us are wounded by our parents. Not knowing. They probably didn't know what they were doing either. Give them some grace. But some, some of us are wounded by parents and, and things that they did, things that they said. I remember a lady telling me one day that she never felt like she was so inadequate about everything because her mother always talked down to her. Her mother always said she couldn't. So now she thinks she never can. And in, in order for that to, to her to overcome that, she's got to realize that in Jesus, all things are possible. Amen? She's got to squish those lies with the truth. See, Jacob, he was also, so going along with through his deceiving attitude, he stole his brother's birthright. His brother was a hunter. He was hungry. He came in. I could have thought of a better way to steal somebody's birthright than saying, hey, I'll trade you your, uh, uh, some soup. Well, it was some porridge. It was like some uh, Quaker oatmeal. Like, I'll I trade you some Quaker oats for your birthright. And in those days, your birthright was everything. Your birthright was your inheritance. It was land. It was position. It was a title. How hungry you got to be to give up your birthright? That must have been some good, good, good oatmeal. I ain't never had oatmeal that good. Never. How many of us are willing to give up some of the greatest things for something temporary? See, when we choose to walk in our brokenness, we choose to walk in the things that we were hurt on. What we're doing is we're hanging on to something that is so less than walking in the joy and the goodness of God. When I choose to hold on to bitterness, oh, you think you got something. You don't want to forgive. You don't want to let that go. But what it's doing is it's killing you inside. And you're, you're not only killing yourself, but you're killing everybody around you because nobody wants to be around a bitter person. And you're walking in that because you're justified. Yeah, okay, it happened. It was bad. Yes. But you're killing yourself. And until you let that go, you will never walk in joy. You will never experience the joy of the Lord, what it means to walk in peace and to have that contentment in life. So you're holding on to something that's actually killing you that you think is so good, you're not willing to trade it in on what's best. That's just one example. But see, Jacob also walked through that whole life walking in guilt and walking in condemnation. And those are two things that Satan wants us to hang on to. If he can make you feel guilty of your past, if he can make you walk in condemnation, thinking I should have done this different or that different, you will always be under the oppressive hand of Satan holding you down. But you've got to, sometimes you've got to say, get behind me, Satan. Amen? And you've got to call out the name of God. And so as I read Jacob, he's been walking this miserable life. He's been walking his life less than, trying to do it, do it his own way his whole entire life being self-sufficient. Can anybody relate to that? So he's trying to do it his own way, and he gets to the river at Jabbok, and he has an encounter with God. One of my most favorite stories in the Bible. Genesis 32. We're going to do this a little different. We're going to read a little bit, and we're going to preach it a little bit. We're going to read some more until I think y'all ready for the end of it. Y'all ready? Genesis 32. It says, Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is the camp of God. So he named that place Mahinani. That's Jacob 31, verse 1. I missed you up, Russ. I'm sorry. But what, what's important about that verse is that Jacob was going on his way. He was out of fellowship with God, but yet God sent angels to appear to him 
Does that show the love of God to you? Even when he was going with his heart in the wrong way, he hadn't really let go. God loved him enough not to leave him where he was. And what I love about that, that word, that camp, that, that thing, that, that means two camps. That word means two camps. He's looking at his camp with the angels, and he's like, this is the place of two camps. And as I did some studying on it, man, it's, it's crazy what, that, what he was saying. It's like, he's like, it's two camps here. There's the camp where the angels are, where the Spirit of God is. And he realized that God was with him too. See, often we look at the situation and we don't look at what God's doing inside of us. Y'all tracking with me? And in that moment, I believe Jacob saw that and he was like, he's with me. He had this, he had this, he had this, this, his mind shift. He's been trying to do it his way the whole entire time. And at that time, his mind shifted to be like, God, God is actually with me. And he goes through and he shows up to Jabok in verse 22. He says, that night Jacob got up and took his two wives and his female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the forge at Jabok. See, he, he was fixing to go meet his brother Esau that, that said, hey, I'm going to kill you when I see you next. He was going to, to face him and say, I was wrong. He was trying to go and make things right. See, you don't want to make things right until God's been doing something in your heart. Amen? See, he didn't want to make things right until God came and touched him and he realized something had to change. See, so many of us are just doing life. We're going to church. We're going through the motions, but we don't really see a need to change. Oh, we try to change our behavior. We want God to bless us. We want God to give us land. We want God to give us houses. We want God to give us peace and prosperity. But we don't want God to deal with this mess inside of me. We okay with this wretched wreck that I am inside. And all of us come to church with a mask on, and every single one of you, either you want to believe it or not, you've got junk in you that you have not dealt with. And you will never be used to the potential in which God wants to use you until you open the trunk and deal with it. So don't you do me a favor this morning. Don't you pull that mask off because you ain't fooling nobody. You might have your neighbor fooled. You might have me fooled, but God ain't fooled. He sees into our hearts. He sees the stuff that we're hanging on to. And so he went Jacob was at the river, so he sent all his family across this river. See, Jabok was a place that separated two territories. And for in this place, it symbolizes it's separating Jacob's past from his future. See, a lot of us are still walking in the past because we won't cross the river. Ooh, that's good. Mm. That's the thing. We won't, we, won't, we won't take that step. We won't take that leap. It's, I'm, okay, I'm okay. That, that looks scary to go across there. So we're okay standing here in misery. We're okay being upset. We're okay with being not used by God. We're okay with just showing up to church and feeling empty because we won't just take the initiative and step across the river and knowing that he's with me. Amen? See, Jabok is a place of darkness. It was nighttime when he sent them across so many people remain in a dark place because they choose not to take the next step. I don't know what your J-Bock may be today. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's your struggle with an addiction. Maybe it's getting up every morning with grief because of a loss of someone. Maybe it's tossing and turning through the night, trying to figure out what to do next. Maybe it's, maybe it's a slow work of rebuilding trust and putting back together a marriage or a friendship. Maybe it's just sitting day after day at a bedside of a loved one that's dying. Maybe it's a faithfulness in the routine of ordinary life. Maybe it's just walking to work. Maybe it's family and marriage. Maybe it's just the ordinary thing. Maybe it's a, it's a week, a year, a lifetime, a prayer, and doing nothing wrong. Seems like nothing right is happening. Maybe it's praying and never seeing the end result. I don't know what your J-Bog is. But we all got them. 
And the question you have to answer today is, am I willing to step over? Had a lady tell me this past week that uh, she didn't, um, she wasn't coming uh, to, to the church anymore. She came one time, and she wasn't coming anymore because uh, we preached too hard, and I yelled too much. <clears throat> I had a dollar every time I heard that. But uh, anyway, I, I want to tell you this before we go any further. Is this the thing? Is my heart is that I love every one of you in here. And my heart is that you would know God to the level that God wants you to know him. My heart is not for you to come to this church every Sunday. My heart is for you to know Jesus. Now, you'll come because you know Jesus. The key to all this is that you pursue Jesus Christ and you know him. And you allow him to deal with the junk in your life. And you allow him to make you the man or woman he's called you to be. For you can be the vessel of change in other people's lives. That's my heart for you guys. But for us to be that vessel, we got to be willing to walk and walk over those things that have been hanging us up for years. So Jacob was at Jabbok. And he sent all his family over. He sent all his people over. And what I love about this is that he was left alone. It says in verse 23, after he had sent them across the stream, he sent all his possessions over. Verse 24, so Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. I love that. I love that. See, he had sent everything across. There's nothing left but him. There's nothing left but him. He was alone with God. See, God finally got Jacob where he wanted him. By himself. See, that's why a lot of people, they don't want to do life by themselves. They don't want to be alone. They want, they want to surround themselves with all these people because if they are by themselves, then their mind starts thinking about failures of yesterday. They have to actually think about the stuff that's haunting them. But if they're around other people, they don't have to process none of that stuff. They don't have to deal with the junk they got going on because they're allowing their mind to be occupied with other stuff. But see, when you're alone, that stuff starts coming back. I don't know about you. But it does for me. Therefore, a long time, I hated going hunting because I was by myself in the deer stand. And if I didn't take my Bible, it wasn't me and Jesus. It was me in the past. It was me and my failures. And halfway through the hunting time, I'm up there crying, not because of the Holy Spirit on me, because I'm walking in condemnation. See, that's what Satan wants you to do. But see, he finally got alone, but not just alone. He was alone with God. That changes everything. See, Jacob didn't want to be alone. People running from God don't want to be alone. They don't want to face themselves. They don't want to face God in any way. 24, verse 24 tells us that, that Jacob, he was finally alone and confronted with God. And I believe with all my heart that this man that he wrestled with was Jesus Christ. And he, he, was, he was wrestling with this man. Verse 24 says, so Jacob was left alone, and the man wrestled with him until daybreak. Verse 25, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. You know, so God left him alone. He was, he was left alone with God, and so what I love about this is he's at this dark place. He's standing on, he's standing on one side of this river, and he's looking to where he's ha something he's having to face. He's having to face his lineness. He's having to face his deceit. He's having to face his, the heartbreak of his brother. He's having to face all that stuff. He's standing there looking to what he's having to face, but then God comes in and wrestles with him. See, I love this because God loves you enough that he's not going to leave you where you are. See, he didn't have to go to God, did he? God came to him. God came to him. How many times do, has, has God came to you to deal with something and you said, talk to the hand? I ain't doing that today. I ain't dealing with that today. How many times? And if, and if that would have happened in that moment, who knows what Esau's heart would have really been. But Jacob sat there and he wrestled with God. See, what I love about this text, too, is that when, when he wrestled with him, he was wrestling with God. 
He was wrestling with a man, he was, and they were wrestling. It takes some intentionality to wrestle, right? See, Rick could come at me and want to entice me, want to fight me. You know what? And if Rick does, I'm not going to fight him. I'm going to run. But if, if he comes up, I got to choose to fight back. You know what I'm saying? So God came up on Jacob, and Jacob had to choose to fight back. He didn't know what he was fighting against. He just knew that he was fighting a man. And as he was fighting, I believe he realized something's going on. You got to have some intentionality to fight all night long, especially if you ain't trained in it. We tried to, me and, me and a couple of buddies tried to spar a little bit, you know. About two and a half minutes, I'm out. I'm doing. You wrestle all night long, there's something deep going on. When's the last time? that you wrestled with God about something to where you were so determined, you're like, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. I'm not going to quit praying until you answer me. I'm not going to quit fasting until you talk to me. Have you ever been that desperate about it? Have you ever been that, that, have you ever been that intentional about it? See, the problem, why a lot, the reason a lot of us still hang on to baggage is because we really don't want to let go of it like we say we do. And we're miserable. We're miserable. But we don't want to admit it to God. So we just deal with it on our own. See, that's what Jacob had been doing his whole life. He had been dealing with problems out of his own self-worth, out of his own desire. But he's sitting there now, wrestling with God. So as he's wrestling with God, what does God do? Jesus says, he says, let me go. He says, I'm not letting you go. And he, touch, he touches. It didn't say he drop kicked. It didn't say that he punched him. He said he touches his hip, and it goes out of joint. Now, that's some power right there. Just touches it. Now, if you're wrestling with someone, he could have touched him anywhere. He could have dislocated his shoulder. He could have paralyzed him. He could have done all those things. But see, when you're wrestling, your feet are your most valuable thing, right? Your hip goes out. You're done. You, you are sitting duck. So he touched him where he was most vulnerable. See, a lot of times, God's moving in our hearts, and he's touching things in our hearts where we're most vulnerable to. It's the things we're holding on to the most. It's, maybe it's pride. Maybe it's failure. Maybe it's something that we know, we, did, we know is wrong, but we don't want to admit that it was wrong. And God comes, and he touches those things in our life, not because he wants to hurt you, not because he's trying to bring up old feelings, not because he's trying to make, bring on rejection, but he knows that the things he's touching is the very things that are going to heal you. And see, we're walking in condemnation, we're walking in bitterness, and we're not allowing God to heal us. But sometimes when we got to get healed, we got to go through a little bit of pain. And that's not what we want to talk about. We don't want to talk about pain. But see, pain gets a lot of our hard-headed selves' attention, don't it? See, I had to go through a lot of pain to get to where I am. And I am imagining that I'll have to go through more to make it to where God wants me to be. But the problem is, back then, I was focused on the pain and not my Savior. And what will get you through from here on out is focusing on the Savior and not the pain. And Jacob was sitting there, broken by God. He was broken by God. brought him to a place of utter and absolute, complete brokenness and dependency. See, until... You are willing to look at yourself dead in the mirror and stop lying to yourself and say, you know what? I'm arrogant. I'm prideful. Yeah, yeah I've, I've got insecurities because of this, this, and this. You start looking at the junk, and you'll start seeing why you're not being fruitful for the gospel. We look at the fruit. Oh, I don't. I, I can't. I, we say I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do. You need to go back and say back to the why. Why can't you? Because if you go back to the why can't you, it always brings you to the baggage that you haven't dealt with. Y'all with me? Now this might be a little heavy, but the reality is, God loves you enough for you not to stay where you are. See, our greatest enemy is sometimes our own self sufficiency. I got this. How many of y'all said that before? Huh? I got this. I got, I got this, brother. 
Me and I heard a guy the other day, me and Jesus got something worked out. And I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> he said, what you mean? I ain't got I we don't have nothing worked out. I said, you might think you got something worked out, but but y'all ain't got nothing worked out unless you surrender to, to him. And you're listening to what he's saying. We, we, we grow up and we live in a society in which it's, we have to, we're self-made. We, 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 it's about how hard you work. It's about what you do. It's about it's all about you. And we make life all about me and how I can do this and I can do that. And you know what happens when you are centered on you? You start hurting people around you because you're willing to step and you're willing to hurt whoever you can hurt or whatever you can do to get to where you want to be. And sometimes it's not meaning, you're not meaning to, and sometimes it's that you mean to. I know my, my desire to be, to show people that I was something. My, my desire to climb the corporate ladder. My desire to, to get to the top. I wasn't deceitful. I didn't lie. But, you know, I hurt the people closest to me. You know, I hurt my wife because, you know what? I was never home pursuing a dollar. I, I, thank God I didn't have kids at that time. But I was hurting other people pursuing something that always left me empty. I always wondered why when I would go buy something, I'd want to throw up. I still get that way. But... I go and buy something. I mean, it would be like, you know, something, you know, I buy a gun for a couple hundred dollars, and I go home, I'd be like, ugh, oh, God, I can't believe I did that. And, you know, you know why? Because I w after I had bought that gun, I was happy about it at that moment. Going home, I thought about what I had spent and what I was going to do to make the money back up. And I, was, it was em I was empty again. I was empty. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about how I'm going to fill it back up. And so many of us, we don't deal with those issues. We don't deal with those things that, why am I doing the things I'm doing over and over and over? I'm like a broken system. I keep doing the same things, expecting different results. You've got to go and deal with the baggage. We've got to go to the, where we're broken at and say, God, fix me in this broken, this broken place. Fix me right here. And he's not going to fix you until you admit where you're broken at. And he's been revealing to you where you are broken. He's been revealing to you the problems. He's been revealing to you your hurts. But you have to verbalize it and say, God, this is it. Heal me. Make me whole. See, what I love about this text is that when he touched him, when he wrestled with him, he Says, verse 26, it says, Then the man said, Let me go for this daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. See, see, a man that was called Hill Grabber, he'd been grabbing on to everything else. And finally, he got to the place where he realized the only thing he needed to hold on to was Jesus. Whoo, I love that. See, he's been, he been grabbing on to everything else. He's been grabbing on to self-worth. He's been grabbing on to, to self-promotion. He's been grabbing on to money, and, 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 and he's been grabbing on to possessions. He's been grabbing on to the man had two wives. He was crazy, but he had two wives, and he was grabbing on to those things. He was grabbing on to all this other stuff to try to give him fulfillment, and he realized that it was time to let go of all that and bear hug the only thing that could give him complete happiness and complete fulfillment, and that was Jesus. See, we've got to realize that we kind of let go of that junk and grab on to the only thing that can satisfy us. And then that's, that is the moment in which God is going to use you more than you ever thought you could be used. When you're like, you know what, that, that, that's, that's the point in which you are. What Scripture says in John, he must decrease. I must decrease and he must increase. See, when you get to that point where it's about, God, I'm going to hang on to you. I don't care about me. That's when he can do something. So the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. See, see you're going to hear me say I love this a lot because I really love this. But what, what happened in this is that he wrestled with God. And he got to where the point where he was completely, utterly hanging on to him. Did Jesus need to ask him what his name was? No, he knew his name. He's God, right? He knew his name. I'm reading that. And I'm like, God, that makes no sense. Why, why didn't you say Jacob? Because that would have been like, oh, he knows my name. 
I didn't tell him my name. But he know, why did he ask him his name? Because he wanted him to admit who he used to be. Y'all, where am I? Y'all listen to me? He, 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 he wanted him to verbalize and say, I'm a liar. Who are you? I'm a liar. Who are you? I'm a cheat. I'm a deceiver. That's who I am. He wanted him to verbalize that. And until he, you verbalize that, you will never be appreciative of who he's making you into. So after he verbalized who he was, Jesus didn't say, yeah, you're right, you're Jacob. No. He says, I'm fixing to change your name. I'm fixing to change your name. Some of y'all, better get, y'all better get excited in here because I'm fixing to dance a little bit. Y'all better come on. He said, I'm fixing to change your name. Y'all with me? You're no longer identified to you with your past because you've been hanging on to me and you won't let go of me. You are no longer Jacob, but you are now Israel. You are a prince of God. Come on, church. That's what God says. If we hang on to him, he will give you a new name. He'll give you a new purpose. He'll give you a new direction. You, you, but see, so many of us, we just hang on to the bitterness. We hang on to who we once were instead of allowing him to make us new. Y'all making me work today. I love just letting the text preach itself. But then he replied, why do you ask my name? When Jacob asked him, then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It's because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him, and he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of his hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was was touched Near the tendon. See, guys, you got to realize something. Is when you are so tired of, of, of being you and you're so tired of all this junk and just all this stuff in your life and you really say, you know what, I'm tired of it and I want to give this to God. Not only does it give you a new name, but everybody else can see the change. See, I know from that moment on, that old boy was limping. And he's dragging that leg. No longer there are two steps, two footprints in the, where he's walking. You can find, you can see where Jacob's walked because there's a footprint and a drag mark. Footprint and a drag mark because he's dragging that leg. And everywhere he's going, people can see that drag mark. And they're like, Jacob's been here. The man of God's been here because there's that drag mark. That's where God touched him right there. That's why God healed him right there. That's where God made him whole. He's dragging that leg. And it's a sign to everybody else that he's changed. It's a sign to everybody else that he's different. It's a sign to everybody else that he has let go of himself. But he's walking with God. Every day he's dragging his leg. Church, I'm asking you today is have you had that time and where you've held on to God and I'm tired of being me. God, I want to be used for your purpose. Lord, rid me of this bitterness. Rid me of this junk. Rid me of, of, the, of the lies Satan's been telling me. Mark me from today forward so that I may be walking and people know and they see that I have been touched by you. That's what it's all about. Man, in, in, the, in the prophetic words of Ric Flair, if you don't like that, you better learn to love it, baby. Because that's what it's all about. Woo, huh? I've always wanted to do that. You know, I'm telling you, I mean, that's what it's all about. And we, we sit there and we, we grumble and we gripe. Why hadn't God used me? Why is this going on? Why is that happening? Oh, God, why? You know why? Because you don't have the faith that you need to see the blessing. Because you won't hang on to God. You know, I keep a prayer journal. I write down names in it, and I pray for people all the time. There's a lot of you in this room I pray for. And I found myself the other day, I was changing prayer journals, and I was trying to figure out who I was going to add to the new journal. It's like, you know what, that right there, I've been praying for them a long time, and they ain't changed. They might be hopeless. I'm going to scratch them off my list. (laughs) It wasn't none of y'all. But I was doing that. And as I was doing that, God convicted me. He's like, why are you giving up on them? I ain't never give up on you. I was like, but God, my list is two pages long. 
If I keep adding new people, I'm going to pray all day. He's like, you don't want to spend all day with me? I was like, well, all right then. Let's add them to the list. So many times we give up on other people. It's because we hadn't realized that God's never given up on us. So many times we won't press into God and say, God, I want you to change this because we don't have the faith knowing that he's thinking that he will change it. And I talk about my testimony a lot and I talk about what God saved me from a lot because it was a lot. It may not mean a lot to you, but it was a lot to me. But I remember my language was so horrible. And, and, and people, people say, that's a small thing. No, it was a big thing to me. Because the Bible says that when we start following Christ, that when we start following God, then he says, it says, also says that salt water and clearing water can't come from the same well, right? It also says that our, what we say should glorify God. It also says that it should be the overflow of our heart. It also says that we should walk away from foolish talk. It also, all right, y'all get the point. But the thing is, is that I got convicted of that, and, 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 and I couldn't change it. I tried to fix me. I tried to change that. And, and I got to the place to where I went hunting with my family, and I was, I was fine all week, and I got there. And next thing you know, at the hunting club, I went to cussing, and I was like, I can't tell them about Christ and cuss. I can't say, I can't drop the F-bomb and say Jesus is faithful in the same sentence. It don't work. Tell it to your Facebook buddies. But anyway, I couldn't do it. And I got to the place where I was so torn up inside one day after I just felt condemnation. I got home and I said, I'm going to do whatever it takes, God. I'll go, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I, I, I was reading in the Bible and I was reading what Isaiah did and I was reading what all those prophets did. I said, God, if you want me to run butt naked through the streets in Milan, I'll do it. Because they did crazy things back then. I'll do whatever you want me to do, God. I was that desperate to, to, to please him in that area. And I got to the place where God said, Jeremy, I want you to fast. I want you to pray. And I did. I fasted a week. And I didn't eat lunch. And I, I fasted that whole hour. And I cried out for God to change me in that. And let me tell you what happened. At the end of the week, I went hunting with my family again. I got back in the truck and God said, mm-hmm. I was like, what, God? He said, you realize that you didn't say one thing? And I cried all the way home. And never struggle with it again. And it might seem small to you, but it was a big thing to me. You know why? I had to get tired of it in order to give it to God. And see, you all keep nursing something that you should be cutting off. Y'all should, y'all need to quit just being satisfied with having a less than life and say, God, I want more of you in me. And you won't have more of you in him until you less yourself of the world. And that's something. It changes everything. The last thing I want you to understand is that God responds to our brokenness. The Bible says in Psalms 34, 18, it says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. So when we are really broken over our sin, that's when we are the closest to God. And I pray often, God, keep me broken. Because if I'm broken, then I see myself for who I really am. But when I remain to step out of that broken state, I begin to get puffed up and look at how far I've been instead of where I am. And that's the challenge for most Christians. You're stepping out and you're looking to how far God's brought you, and that's awesome. It's good to stand on the mountain and shout glory, but you need to step back in reality and see that he ain't, you ain't completely made new yet. You still got some work to do. See, when we're broken, we can be compassionate to people that stumble. When we're broken, we can be compassionate to those who ain't made it there yet. We can be compassionate to those that fall down. When we're broken, we're willing to, because guess what? When I'm broken, I'm down here with them, and I can reach down and pick them back up. But when I'm walking up on my high horse of religion, it's like, oh, my hand's too short. I can't help you. See, the key to walk with God is to remain broken, but also not be defined by our brokenness. So the questions you got to ask yourself today is what do you think God wants you to admit about yourself so that you can move forward in healing? Take the mask off right now. You know you. Quit smiling at me. You know you. You know the deepest, darkest things in you. 
You know the things that haunt you at night when nobody's around. You know the, th- the, the, the problems that you, that, 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 that you struggle with every day. You know the, the mask you put on and you try to put on that face and act like you're okay. Act like I'm a, a, I'm a good man, I'm a good woman, but yet you're thinking about stuff that if it was put on the screen, you'd be ashamed. But you allow the sin because you're not broken enough to give it to God. So what are you going to give to Him today so He can heal you? Why is it so difficult, church, for us to be honest with God, even when we know He already knows everything about us? Last question I want to ask you is, what are the parts of yourself that you think are unlovable? See, but you got to be able to love you before you can love somebody else. Think about it. Ladies, y'all are easy to throw it off on yourself. Some of you got a list seven miles long, and it's a lie from Satan. But what do you think makes you unlovable? Talk to God about those weaknesses today. Ask Him to help you accept His unconditional love and let it change you. Amen? See, brokenness is defined by... It's a process where God brings his people to the end of themselves and into a total love, total trusting, and total submissive life with him. Amen? By the way, the most foolish thing anybody could do is when God's trying to break them, turn away from him. We got to embrace the process. I say a lot that, and I believe it beyond, I believe it so much, is that nothing is hap- happenstance. Nothing happens just, co- you know, coincidental. Nothing just happens, right? Everything's got a reason and a purpose behind it, right? You're here today for a reason, not just to come and hear a message that some redneck preached. You're here to come and hear the Word of God. Because it's right what you needed to hear today. And the question I'm asking you is what you going to do with it? Are you going to sit there and say, well, I'll deal with this later. Or are you going to deal with it today? Are you so hungry? You say you are. You say that I want to be used by God. You, you say that I, I go to Connect Group and I come to church. I do these things that I want. You put the outward appearance that you want to know God, but do you really want to know Him? Because if you really want to know him, then you're willing to lay down whatever he says lay down. So what is he telling you to lay down today? Before we open the altar up, some of you have never truly given your life to God. I want to give you the opportunity to choose him today. If you've never truly surrendered your life, I ain't saying that you raised your hand when you was in 12th grade or when you were 12 years old. I ain't saying that you did something like that. I'm saying that you truly, like in your heart, like you really meant it. Like as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord type commitment. Like I'm serious about this. I want to follow you, Jesus, right now. That's what I want. If if you've never made that true commitment in your heart, the day you want to do that, I want to challenge you to raise your hand so we we can celebrate with you. Anybody? Anybody ready to make a real commitment? Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else God moving in your heart? Anybody else that you've realized that you've been a counterfeit Christian, that you, that you really haven't trusted God with anything, that you've just been walking through the motions? If you re- do you really need to give him your life today? Anybody else? Anybody? So the reality is, is that everybody else in here is saved, right? So my question is, is what are you going to allow God to change in you? 
Matthew 7, 7 through 8. It says, those who seek me, find me. Amen? Those who knock, the door will be answered. Amen? Sometimes some of us need to come to this altar today, and we need to be like that. In Matthew, I mean Luke 18, the, the woman that was in, it was in front of the unjust judge, and she wouldn't give up. She wouldn't stop. She kept asking. She kept asking. She kept asking. And Jesus, Jesus said, that's how we should be. We should be those people that are relentless in pursuing, relentless in asking, relentless. Now, he's not talking about relentless in saying, God, I want this pretty house. I want this here. He's talking about being relentless in pursuing him. So there's maybe some hurt in your heart that you hadn't been able to give him in 15 years. Maybe you need to come and say, God, I've been praying. I'm going to keep praying until you remove this. Maybe today is the day you can say, God, I'm coming to the end of me. Fill me with you. God's word has been preached. It's up to you to respond. If you will, stand. This altar is here. If you need special prayer, I'll be in the corner over there. If you need salvation... If you want salvation, but you were too scared to raise your hand, I'll be in that corner. Let's don't be fake. Let's be real. Let's do business with God. Father, we come to you right now. God, pray in your hand over us, and God, we pray. Lord, I know this was a heavy message, but Lord, I pray, God, that that your hand would touch us, and God, you release us from the struggles, God, that you would bring to our attention the things we struggle with, God, that you would touch our hearts into the places we've been guarded for so long. And God, that you would release us today, God. I pray, Father, that we would be humble people and really transparent and not allow our pride to hold us back and say, I'll do this later. But God, we would be intentional with dealing with it now. God, I pray that we would realize that our insecurities and all these things are holding us back from being the people of purpose you've called us to be. So God, I pray over your people today. I pray, God, that you would break us, that you would... Bring us to a place to where we are willing to wrestle with you. To where we're willing to say, God, I'm not going to let you go until you deliver me. I'm not going to let you go until you change my heart. I'm not going to let you go until you make me whole, God. I pray that we would be your people. So God, move on us today. God, change us today. In Jesus' name, I pray.